In today's show, it's a mock draft. It's a nine-category head-to-head mock draft for fantasy basketball, but we're going deep. It is 16 teams. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball, on TikTok at RedRock underscore B-Ball, and on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to BirdDogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter the promo code LockedOnNBA and you get a free water bottle with any purchase. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off, we promise you. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We are available on all platforms. So we're doing a mock draft, deeper one. For those of you who are asking, all right, let's get the questions out of the way. Josh, will you do 12-team head-to-head category league mock drafts? Yes. Minimum of 13 of those are coming. One from each of the first-round picks plus a few more. Josh, are you going to do more points league mock drafts? Yes. I will do a Yahoo points league mock draft, and begrudgingly, I will do an ESPN Points League mock draft. Josh, will you do another auction mock draft? Yes, I probably will. Josh, will you do a 20 team with offensive rebounds, three-point percentage, assistance and over ratio? No, I won't. Will you do a real salary mock draft? No, I won't. I'm sorry. There are certain things that in the different types of leagues, there are just too many different ones to do, and it's very hard to cover everybody's little niche um, settings that they have. But this is a 16-teamer. I might, I might do a 20. I probably will do a 14-teamer. I will consider doing a points league auction. I'm not sure about that. Auction's already a small, such a small percentage of drafts, and then points on top of that is even smaller. Uh, but there are going to be more mock drafts coming. I know this is a long tangent here of what we're doing, but there's tons more coming. So in general, ask away. If you've got a question, hey, you can do this mock draft, let me know. But that's what we've got. Lots of standards from different positions. Points, auctions, they're all coming as well. Yahoo and ESPN, and that's all going to happen. I'm going to be joined today in this 16-team nine-cap mock draft, which we're hosting over on Fantrax. And I'm using the roster settings for the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl as well. So you'll see that three guards, three forwards, forward center, guard center, and flex. Not the full 18-man roster. We're doing 14-man rosters. I'm joined by Raf Johnson of Roto World to do the mock draft today. And so we don't interrupt the flow of the mock draft. I am going to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by Bird Dogs. You know the bird dogs are great. I've told you a million times how good they are. You wear them, you put them on, and you don't want to take them off. Someone might come up to you and be like, bro, can I have a look at your shorts? Get your hands off them. These are the most comfortable shorts in the world, and I'm never letting you get your grubby mitts on them at all. Your missus or mister might come up and go, hey, can I take your pants off? No, they're my bird dogs. They are not coming off for anything. That's what the ad says. You won't want to take your bird dogs off with promise you. So I can only assume it's under all circumstances, but I do know that when I do put them on, yeah, it takes a lot to get me out of them. I'll wear them to the shops. I'll wear them out to the pub. I'll wear them to a bar, out for dinner, out shopping. They are comfortable with their, what do they call it? Anti-stink sweat wicking fabric. I don't have to worry about sweat or smell. I don't have to worry about stretch or comfort. My thighs already pop. They look good, but with these, they look even better because they've got cloud knit fabric. 
It looks just like khaki, but it stretches, makes it a slimmer fit, and it looks sexy as. So if you go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, or you enter the promo code LockedOnNBA at checkout, you get a free Bird Dogs water bottle with your order. Yeah, that's birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA for a free water bottle at checkout. As I said, you won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you. Today's episode is also brought to you by DoorDash. You want bread, syrup for your pancakes, you just burnt your last piece of toast, all the avo has gone bad, your hot sauce bottle is empty, you need groceries and you need them right now, but you can't get to the store. DoorDash offers grocery delivery. Everything that you want delivered right when you need it, right to your door. With thousands of grocery stores to choose from, you'll find the best one in your neighborhood and you boost your local economy with each and every order. Get exactly what you ordered or we'll make it right. Wow, will you? That's great. So sit back and enjoy quality groceries just like you picked them yourselves without the hassle of going down there and fondling fresh fruit to see which ones are the good ones. They've also got easy substitutions right in the app and best-in-class customer support. DoorDash delivers groceries exactly how you want it. And you can get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to a $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONNBA at checkout. It's a limited-time offer and terms apply. That's 50% off up to $20, no minimum, subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code LOCKEDONNBA. Don't forget the code is LOCKEDONNBA for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. And then all the things now that uh, I needed to do are done. And when we can talk draft, we can get that flow rolling through. And to get the flow rolling through of the draft, I am going to bring old mate Raf Johnson in. So it's yeah, no, no, no better time like the present to get him in here. It is Raf Johnson from Roto World. I'm calling it Roto World again, Raf. I think you're calling it Roto World again, aren't you? Yeah, we. I think we're set on Roto World now. All the different name changes. So yeah, I think we're set on that now. Thankfully, we're back back to Roto World, and we're back here with a mock draft. We're going deeper in this one, Raf. We're doing 16 teams, nine categories. Head-to-head leagues. We've got a couple of minutes before this starts. Just have a bit of a quick chat before we get into it. What is what do you think the number one trend you have seen so far through yeah, the preseason? We've got 30 days or so before the start of the NBA season. What have you seen in drafts and one thing that's really stood out to you? Um, I think one thing that's kind of stood out to me is how high Tyrese Halliburton has gone. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen him go like well within the top five in a lot of the mocks that I've done so far. Um, I don't have an issue with that personally you know how productive he was when on the court last season certainly understand that he's clearly established as a cornerstone of that franchise um i thought he had a good run with the team usa at the FIBA world cup as well so maybe experiences a bounce coming off of that um i don't know i'm not really too concerned about the buddy heel news that we've seen recently with him wanting out i think halliburton's going to get his numbers either way but you lose a shooter like that Maybe it slightly impacts his assist number, but I think overall he's going to be fine. Yeah, I don't think the healed thing has really much impact on him whatsoever. I I agree with you that he is going high. I totally agree with it. Look, honestly, if you wanted to take him at two, I don't actually don't think it's a problem. And I've I've stressed this on this show plenty of times. Like, cool, he might not finish number two, but he's not going to be thirtieth per game. Like, that's just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. He might be second, third, fourth, fifth, seventh, or whatever. 
but it's totally fine to get him there. And I have also noticed this is I've had people pushing back on it. Like I've posted or post a photo of a mock draft, or like, man, Halliburton's going top five. What is going on? I go, yeah, <laughs> like that's that's going to happen everywhere. Like that's just going to yeah. be the mm-hmm. way it goes. And again, if he finishes tenth, it doesn't really matter. Like it's it's totally okay. Like there are plenty of people who are willing to take Jason Tatum at pick four because he doesn't get mm-hmm. hurt yet. He's never been close to that on, on a per game basis. He's tenth, eleventh, twelfth, all that sort of thing. And some of that level of uh, comfort and reliability is is fine in that zone. So that's interesting. Now I did give myself a shitty pick here, pick number fourteen in a sixteen team draft. Mm-hmm. You're sitting at number nine, which. I would also suggest is not a great one. That's in the standard of of any sort of draft draft because we have sort of a pretty standard top six or seven and then eight mm-hmm. can be a bit iffy. Do you, do you have any ideas of how you look at that at, at number at number nine? Because we're going to have, we're going to have Jokic, we're going to have Embiid, Halliburton, Shea, mm-hmm. Tatum, Steph, um, probably Giannis, someone else I'm missing in that in that mix there as well. And you're going to be left with, I don't know what you're going to do there. Like, that, that is a tough pick. What, what do you, what's your thought at that spot? Yeah, I'm not too thrilled with that, that positioning because, you know, you look at what the fan tracks board has. You're talking about guys like Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, LaMelo Ball, Damian Lillard. Now you've got three guys who missed significant amount of time last season due to injury and a fourth who doesn't want to be where he currently is. Mm. So at that nine spot, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do there. I think of those four options, part of me thinks Lillard, just because I don't think it's going to get to a point where he says, if I don't get traded, I'm not playing. He's got four more years left on his contract, and I think he's going to give you an honest effort every night out. But, yeah, I'm not too thrilled with that spot just because of the prior issues of, of the other three as well in terms of injuries. We're going to get into this draft very very soon. In fact, we might just flick it over straight over to the draft from now. And I hope that everyone is in the draft room. If not, I might need to pause and get him in here. But we'll uh, we'll bring it across uh, over there into that draft room now. So I've got most people here. Again, there's some issues here with some people showing that they're here or away. But if we get to someone who's not here, I'll pause and I'll get their ass replaced immediately. Boney is up <laughs> in 18 seconds uh, at number one. Have you been in any drafts where Jokic hasn't been at one? No, I haven't. And I think that's kind of my question for you is like, is there a format where it could be excusable to take someone else other than Nikola Jokic, number one? Yeah, I think if you're in a points league, it's okay to not take Jokic. Yeah. He wasn't number one last season. The only problem I have with it is that the guys who probably could be number one in Doncic and Giannis, mm-hmm. Doncic has got this weird thigh issue that he was complaining about. Giannis yeah. is going to miss games due to his knee problem. Um, but they're the other two guys who... I think I think Doncic would clearly get past him on a on a per game basis. I don't really think there's much mm-hmm. debate about that. Um, it's more just that injury thing. So if he didn't go at one in a points league, not not a concern in the world. Um, yep. Totally reasonable. And, and this draft to start off now. I'm just watching this sly boogie bloke because if he doesn't make this pick soon, if he isn't there, I'm going to get him out of here. And he's not picking. So we, how long should we give him here, Raf? Because the top three has gone: Jokic, Embiid, Halliburton. We get counting down here. Twenty seconds. He's not picking. He's not in the room. We are going to get him out of here. All right, we're back. We got the replacement sorted. I hope it's all good to go. Let's unpause the draft. And Sly Boogie is on the clock with nine seconds to go. He just got in here. He better make this pick. You got five seconds, big fella. Let's go. Pick, pick, pick. Yeah, there he goes. Shea Gildas Alexander. Now, let's see what we do here. Are you surprised at all that Dontich has fallen outside the top four? Um, A little bit. You know, he mentioned the thigh issue earlier in the show. 
that's been lingering since late last, last season. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, in a nine cat, I think the turnovers may be a slight concern for some managers, but for me personally, the overall production would have him kind of locked into that top five at a minimum. Yeah, look, I, I'm not surprised that he's out of the top five again. I, I would very clearly take Jokic at one, and then any of those next four, Embiid, Halliburton, Shea, or Doncic, I can see going in those next five picks. It's really whatever you want to do with it. I think there is, mm-hmm. even though we, we do look at it as a general top six, to me, there is a clear one, then there's four, and then there's, I guess you're going to have Tatum in the next spot, but I wouldn't even necessarily be, yeah, if, if I knew Steph was going to be a little healthier, I'd take him over Tatum, I think, relatively comfortably. Ooh, that's a little bit. There you Ooh. go, Raf. Okay, so Raf told me he had a surprise. We went Tatum at six, Steph at seven, Lamello at eight. Now, you, I guess we're assuming that Giannis was going to go at eight. So you told me you had a surprise. What do you do now? My surprise was going to be Anthony Edwards. Ooh. But now that Giannis is still on the board, I think I have to take Giannis here. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So well, let's let's see what happens then. Um, when, when you make your pick, we'll see which way. Do you have the, the balls to pass up Giannis to go for Anthony Edwards? No, he doesn't. He takes Giannis. <laughs> he takes Giannis. So what's your – because I am I am interested in Anthony Edwards this season, but I am I would very mm-hmm. much push back on that, that he's going to be a first-rounder. How do you see him getting there? I just think the availability isn't a concern from him. Uh, he played 72 of a possible 82 games last season. Uh, the season prior, in 79 of 82 this past season, all 72 as a rookie. I just think that we're entering a point where he's really going to explode in terms of being a star uh, within the league, and that'll translate to fantasy value. And I think having a season getting used to Rudy Gobert, I believe that Edwards is going to be a bit better in the two-man game between those two. They, they had some chemistry issues that may have limited his assist production to a certain extent last season. So... I think Edwards is someone that I think can vault into the first round in fantasy basketball this year. That's really interesting. And I said this on my show the other day, talking about ESPN sleepers and busts and whatever it was, whichever sleeper and bust show that I did. I can't remember what it was exactly. Mm-hmm. But I said reasonable people can have different opinions on things and we can yeah. have those arguments. Like you can't argue that Eric Gordon's going to play 27 minutes for the Clippers per game, as ESPN's projections would say, because it's just not going to happen, and I'll shit on that all day. But reasonable people can have decisions or discussions about production of players. I disagree with you on Edwards, but I better Mm -hmm. make my pick before I let it slide here. Um, It is 14, so Edwards is an option for me, I think. I just don't know if I'm going to take him there. Ooh, it's sliding down. I think I might, hmm. At this spot... We're really running low in time. Um, would I pick fourteen? I might take. Ooh, I might take Kyrie. There you go. I'm going to take Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Here we go. So, um, yeah, reasonable people can argue about roles, projections, minutes, bench, starting, usage, all that sort of stuff. I think it's hard for Edwards to a bump his usage from last season along with maintaining the same defensive stats, increasing assists and bumping percentages, which is what I think he would have to do to get into that range. But maybe you don't even think he has to do that to get there. Yeah, I think the one thing that I neglected to mention, which would probably strengthen your argument, is that Carl Anthony Towns is going to be healthy. Yep. And I only played 29 games last season. So when we talk about the usage, that's likely going to impact Edwards more than anything. But I believe that guys who would take a heavier hit in that area would be like a Mike Conley or a Jaden McDaniels. They're already pretty low, but I think with Towns back, it's going to be a lot more of 
him, Edwards, and then to a lesser extent, Gobert in terms of usage this year? Um, one of the one of the interesting picks I think here was Kingy, who let the clock run way down and took Anth- uh, Jaron Jackson at eleven. What's your thoughts on mm. Jaron at that spot? Because I I I don't like it at all. What do you? How do you view that? Yeah, um, I can see the argument why in terms of the defensive stats and everything. And he'll be playing next to a big, which for some reason didn't happen at the World Cup. I think that really helps him in terms of his performance on the floor. But, yeah, I think Memphis, I would lean more. In terms of Memphis, I would reach more for their guards, like a Desmond Bain, as opposed to their bigs, with John Morant suspended. Because I don't really know how that's going to impact him offensively, personally. I think you'll get a boost offensively, but often that comes with a decreased focus on the defensive end. They also always keep yeah. the minutes down in Memphis as well. I just think mm-hmm. that again, someone had this discussion, or not discussion, they argued, or didn't argue, they pushed back on something I said on Twitter as we get ready for your pick, and I'll just talk while you get ready. I better say what I did, because Booker went, and then it was me with the pick... Third pick of the second round, I took Trey Young to pair with Irving. Going small, he helped. Obviously, Harden, Cunningham, Fred Van Vliet uh, goes to Kingy there. The argument was, I said, I think with more people blocking shots this season, you got Chet Holmgren, who could hit, could block two, two and a half. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Victor Wembanyama, who could go two, two and a half. Honestly, three blocks a game. Walker Kessler's going to play more than 23 minutes a night. Uh, Jalen Duran's probably going to play more than 26 minutes a night. Mark Williams is going to play more than 19 minutes a night. I think all of those things, it'd be really hard for me to argue that they're not going to happen, right? So when you go from maybe seven players blocking two shots per game to perhaps 10 up to a maximum of 15 players, the value of the guys who block a lot of shots decreases because it's not as rare. And it's you can't ever argue, well, I've got Jaron, I've won blocks. Well, every other team in the league might have someone who blocks two shots per game. And if someone gets two of those guys, well, guess what? You don't win blocks anymore. So that value of those players when that gets spread out more decreases. And that's where I think that his value is baked into the on the back of those three blocks a game he got last season. And A, he might not hit that number. And B, it might become less valuable to even hit that number when other guys jump up. So that's my con- concern with that. Let's go after Van Vliet, it was Towns. And then you took Mikhail Bridges, who I don't love where he's being picked in some leagues. I think he has a ranking mm-hmm. of 15 in some leagues, which I, I don't agree with. But you got him at a spot here, which I think is not only reasonable, but probably good value at pick number 24, Raf. Yeah. Yeah. Knock on wood, his availability remains a non-issue. Um, he's, you know he's going to be on the floor pretty much whenever the opportunity arises. He's got an expanded offensive role in Brooklyn. Now, the defensive numbers did take a hit, but I think he's good enough offensively to make up for that. And it's not like those numbers took a major hit to where he's offering you nothing in terms of defensive stats. So, yeah, Mikael Bridges in that spot, I felt like I kind of had to take him there. I agree. Look, as much as I don't like him taking him in a second, early second round of a 12 team, like here it's middle of the, the second in a 16 team is, is totally yeah. reasonable. And you're right, he's not out there giving Boyan Bogdanovich level defensive numbers or Julius Randle level defensive numbers. They're not a strength of his anymore, but they're not a mm-hmm. we- they're not a weakness necessarily. And yeah, the guys that go after him, like you know, I'd have him over Bain, Kawhi, well, we all know the issues there, Adebayo. Paul George is the one where I'd go, maybe. George, I think he's probably going to be a better producer than him on a per game basis but he's just had so many lower body injuries 
Uh, Miles Turner, yeah, the same issue with the blocks from before. Darius Garland. So it is really interesting when you see this, and, and you always have to remind yourself. I don't know if you do, Raf, but I do. I look at it and go, ah, mm-hmm. end of the second round, Darius Garland. But that's not the end of the second round. That's pick thirty. That's the middle of the third yeah. third round in a normal normal mm-hmm. sort of draft. So everything's just getting getting spread and and stretched. So when we're trying to evaluate things, we go, oh, Jimmy Butler, end of the second. I'm not sure, but again, it's pick thirty one. Like I think it's yeah. it's okay there. That does bring me to we saw the two Miami guys go off the board, Bam and Jimmy. Bam ahead of Jimmy. How are you valuing these guys and to a lesser extent like a Tyler Hero with the assumption, let's say 60% assumption, that Damian Lillard is going to be playing on this team? Yeah, I, I, I think you make a good point in terms of the size of this league we're drafting in as opposed to your standard 12 teams. Um, you know, you get Butler and, and Bam in the third round. I think that's fair. I'd go Jimmy maybe a, a little bit higher just because of what he does when he's on the floor. But then you contrast that with the availability issues. Um, how much are you going to have him in your lineups? You know, if he can hit 60, 65 games, you're in a really good spot. But as we've seen recently, that's not guaranteed. Um, I think Hero is a bit trickier, is even if they don't make that trade. You know, we're seeing reports about who could potentially be the starting point guard, whether it's him or even Josh Richardson. So I'd I say, think I, I'd, say they're, I'd say they both got to start at this point. Like unless Lula gets out, okay. it'll be yeah. So it won't it won't be Larry. I'm pretty sure it'll be it'll be Hero and Richardson yeah. is what I is what I think. Okay, so it'll be both of them. That's that's interesting. That that's um, that's what I believe. That's what I have been told as well. Is the expectation? Okay. Who knows whether it goes that way? And I just I forgot to mention everyone. This is a third round reversal draft because we have third gone deep. Reverse. So we're back okay. back to my pick. And I'm at a stage here where I think because I'm picking so late in a league like this that I'm just going to punt big man stats. It's harder to you know it's harder to be be a balanced team in a league where yeah. it's so deep. So I'm just going, mm-hmm. screw the field goal percentage. Let's score. Let's get threes. Let's get assists. And let's take Jordan Poole at pick 35. And I want to hear your reaction to that in a second. But yeah, so that I think Richardson and Hero will be the starters. And I, I don't think Lowry will be there. Obviously, Struess and Vincent aren't a part of things uh, yeah. on this team anymore. Um, but I, I'm led to believe that Richardson will be starting irrespective of the Lillard situation. Okay. Well, that's... That's interesting. Uh, so I think I may have seen a different report where it's either or, but if they're both going to be out there, I think that kind of preserves heroes. I, I think of him as like a middle round guy in, in standard drafts. Um, while Richardson, it clearly enhances his value if he's going to be a starter. Mm. How much? I'm not too sure, but I kind of feel like he's at the point where you kind of have to take him with a late round pick instead of just think about a potential flyer there. Hero is an interesting one as well because I, I think – it's hard for me to see him getting traded somewhere and being in a worse position. There are some yeah. players like Buddy Hill. Like he might go to a spot. Like he might go to Milwaukee and play 31 minutes a night, right, as a starter and just mm. bomb threes and be totally fine. He could, you know, let's just throw the Lakers out there because they love to be love to put their sticky little nose into every sort of trade detail. But he might go there <laughs> and be behind D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves and come off the bench and play 25 minutes. That's a wide range of outcomes. Or he stays in Indiana and comes off the bench. But it's hard for me to see Hero go somewhere else and be in anywhere that's not, at the very worst, an equivalent role to what he is in Miami. All right. I'm on the clock here. And, huh. I don't feel great about this. Oh, it's always a good start to a pick. Yeah. I'm just going to take Vooch. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't feel great about it. Now, 
I'll, and I'll tell you why. But again, this is mid third in the second round uh, in a twelve team. I'd say, come on, Raf, let's let's be serious here. Yeah. But you're a pick forty. It's okay. But my my argument against which I could be very well proven wrong is that last season he had go and have a look. Literally identical numbers, points, rebounds, assists, exactly the same as the mm-hmm. year before, which is phenomenal. But he did it by having a true shooting percentage of seven percentage points better, meaning that if he just stayed at his regular efficiency, he would have had a gigantic drop-off in scoring because his usage went down, his minutes went down. He played 30 minutes a night for the final 20 games of the season. He's obviously older. He's still the third option. If he doesn't maintain that shooting bump, and the fact that he just doesn't block any shots either, uh, I worry that it, it goes sideways pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. But he might not. Maybe he does. Maybe he has, you know, at age 33, turned the corner and became a 60% true shooting guy versus 54. Maybe he maintains that. It's totally possible. Um, yeah. But it's also relying upon that to maintain that same level. After Vooch went Zion, whew, that's interesting. Um, I, I like it, though. Um, Zion, Mobley, Jalen Brown... Jalen Brunson. Hey, quick thing that someone pointed out to me on uh, ESPN's projections. Sorry, I'm going to keep shitting on ESPN because they do things that are ridiculous. Uh, Jalen Brown is projected to play 83 games for this season. So there you have it. Mr. Durable is, yeah. they're predicting a mid-season trade, Mikhail Bridges style, where he gets traded and gets that extra game in somewhere. So just be aware of, do not trust a single thing on those projections. Jalen Brown goes, Jalen Brunson. All right, here's a question for you. Jalen Brunson's gone here at pick 45. There are other point guards, Drew Holiday, Jamal Murray. We had De'Aaron Fox go already. How do you sort of view him in comparison to those guys? Because I think that I would have Murray and probably Drew ahead of him. I worry that a lot of the stuff that he did last season shot 40. You're a Knicks fan. He shot 46% from three, I think, over the final 40 games of the season. He doesn't get any steals. There's Randall still trying to Randall stuff. I worry that if there is that, talk about Vooch, like if he has a 7%, 7 percentage point, three point drop off makes him a 39% shooter versus what he did second half. Still really good, yeah. but it's a big difference, yeah? And mm-hmm. that I worry that maybe that just pushes him back to being the 50s instead of the 30s in terms of numbers. Yeah, I think with Brunson, I don't think his fantasy ceiling can get much higher than I, it was last year. I agree. Um, meanwhile, Jamal Murray... Second year back from an ACL tear. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of athletes in the past kind of take off at that point. So, yeah, I'm with you. I would definitely go with Murray instead of Brunson in that spot. And even in standard weeks, I yep. would go with Murray. I think I would too. And we've got, like, in that range, there's two other point guard, shooting guard type players who did that exact thing in Zach Levine coming back after his ACL the year after it really went off. And DeJounte Murray, two years after his ACL, Mm -hmm. that year in San Antonio went crazy too. ACLs aren't the injury they used to be and you can recover a lot quicker from them, but it still takes 18 months to sort of get back to Mm -hmm. full strength. It's part of the reason that I'm a little bit excited about an ACL guy in Orlando. His name's not Jonathan Isaac. It's Markel Fultz. He's 18 months or two years removed and he really came on and maybe he's got a little bit of that bit of that pep back after that time. So that mm-hmm. is something to look out for. After Levine went to Rosen, wow, run of bulls there. And then Ananobi. Um, DeRozan at 50, again, I, I don't mind it. I know he's ranked highly on some sites, but I've got no problem with him. In fact, most of these picks are pretty good. I would say out of the last few picks where we went, Jalen Brunson, Walker, Kessler. Oh, that's interesting. Jalen Bron- Brunson, Walker, Kessler, Drew Holiday, Chet Holmgren, Jamal Murray, Levine, DeRozan, Ananobi, and the Bronco, Jalen Williams. The only one of those that I look at as being... Uh, massively sort of in the not in the wrong spot, but I, I think Levine is probably getting undervalued a bit, rough at at pick fifty or whatever it was, at forty nine. Is it forty nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, forty nine. I think that's I don't know. Like 
I know that he doesn't have maybe a particularly high ceiling to improve significantly from where he is, but I also do think that at some point he's going to just edge a little bit above DeRozan in terms of usage. Yeah. He's, he's 28. This is bang, smack, middle of the prime. He's an elite shooter. Yeah, he sucks on defense, but cool. Like, whatever. Yeah, I, I just think that there's probably... It might be 10 spots of value in him there. Whereas, you know, with DeRozan, it's okay there. And Anobi, it's okay there. Williams, Jalen Williams, I think it's maybe a little bit high. Same as maybe with Josh Giddy there. I just think you've got a little bit of value to squeeze out of Levine, even if he doesn't have sky-high, absolute breakout upside. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, I think if anything, other other than, say, J-Dub and then Giddy, I think he might offer a higher ceiling than a few of the other guys that you mentioned. So... Yeah, I, I would have no problem with Levine going a bit higher than he did. What do you make? And okay, well, it's your pick, so just have a think about this. But I do want to get back to the Williams and Giddy situation. They went at like 45 and 40, no, 42, 52 and 53 for Jalen Williams and Josh Giddy. I think that I think that there's no way that both of them return that value. Um, so one of them is probably going to be not great at that spot. That, that For Giddy, that's... I don't know. I really like Josh Giddy. He's unbelievably young. He's still 21. He's the same age as Chet, basically. And he's played two years. He took a big step forward last season. But I guess the next question is, what is the next step? Where does he go from here? Does he become a better free throw shooter? Does he get defensive stats? He's almost definitely going to lose rebounds. Um, or does he just play more than 30 minutes? Because last season, we saw Dagnot have no problem in, in benching him at times when he was struggling. I just... Mm-hmm. I think that that pick there of Giddy, and I'll focus more on him than Jalen Williams, I think that eliminates just a, a, any sort of level of upside. Like, if I could get him at 70, 75, okay, fine. Yeah. But I, I don't see how he... And I, I think Giddy could be an all-star, but for fantasy this season, I don't really know how he how he beats that number, let alone reaches it. Whew, that's interesting. Right, we'll talk to that in a second. But hey, what, do you, what do you say about Giddy this season? I think he can be slightly better, but, you know, you add Chet Holmgren. You also, Vasily J. Misic, uh, the rookie from overseas, I don't know how much he's going to play, but I don't think you sign an experienced guard to a multi-year deal for him to not play at all. He's going to play. There's no doubt. But yeah. also remember the guys that came across like in different different categories. But Misic is 30. And like guys like Milos Teodosic yeah. and Facundo Campazzo who came across, like they just played like 20 minutes a night. And I think Misic might do that. They didn't have... Who's their backup point guard last season? It wasn't someone very good. Um, I think that just getting that... Who did, yeah, because like, I think Trey Mann was getting rotation oh, yeah. minutes. He's, he's terrible. Know. He's terrible. He was a point guard. Yeah. But in terms of like Misic, and I look at, you mentioned Milos Teodosic. I think that was a different situation just because I never got the feeling that the Clippers from Doc Rivers at the time on down really accepted him in terms of him being a part of that rotation. So it didn't work out too well. I think you add a guy like Misic to a younger team, I think it has a better chance of working out, especially if he's going to be getting like 20 to 23 minutes per game uh, coming off the bench. But that said, maybe that limits Giddy in terms of the minutes that he has without Shea Gilgis-Alexander on the floor in terms of what he can do with the ball in his hands. But That's true. That, that would be my argument there in terms of maybe taking him a little bit lower than he went. Yeah, I I, I can say that. Look, I think that it, what it does is it gives... Well, look, Misic might not be able to play in the NBA. Like He just might struggle significantly. Yeah. But what it does do is if Giddy has those struggles... 
that it might lead um, it might lead Doug not to have. Well, I've got more of a security blanket here um, behind him. Mm. I'm just going to pause this draft for one second, Raf, because my dog is losing his mind. <laughs> I'm just going to. All right, we're back, ready to go. Hopefully, Obi's calmed down. He's here with me now as the draft restarts. I okay, so after Giddy was Maxi Beal, Claxton, Scott Barnes. Paulo Banquero, a little early. Pirtle, Randall, possibly a little early. Chris Middleton. And then, Raf, I took Franz Wagner at pick 62. One spot ahead of Shengun, who I was debating there. What do you make of Wagner? I think he was very clearly the Magic's best player last season. But I also yeah. worry that he's so good at what he does that at times he sort of sits back a little bit and doesn't mm-hmm. just dominate and establish himself as an alpha offensive player which I guess somewhat limits his ceiling but I really love him as a player and very interested to see what he's able to do uh, for this upcoming season so where is what's your take on on Wagner what can he do this season to um to get better I think he can take another step forward I think the one question the one concern I would have is you mentioned Markel Fultz earlier yeah um how much will Fultz's usage and time on the ball limit what Wagner can do as a playmaker? Sure. So I think that's one of his strong suits. I would be more concerned about that than any type of like aggressiveness issues. And I think obviously he missed the first part of the FIBA World Cup with that ankle injury, came back healthy, helped him win gold. I think he's another player who can use that type of international experience as a bump in confidence and production. So I think the only concern I would have with Wagner coming into this season is the potential for faults in a contract year to kind of step up and, and take on more of the usage than he did last season, you know, once he returned from the injury. After Wagner went Shengun, who I'm not going to, I just did a whole segment on him yesterday, so I'm not going to go into detail there. Mm. Brooke Lopez, okay, maybe. Ingram. And then the next two, well, I, I picked Devin Vassell, which it's more yeah. about building my team out, getting a Ford eligible player at 67. I think he's the, Spurs best player until Wembenyama steps on the yeah, court. Um, yeah. But what about one pick before that? Derek White, who I really like, but I don't know, man. At 66, it feels high to me, Raf. Yeah, I like him. Um, I was certainly on the bandwagon in terms of his fancy value once they traded Marcus Smart. But the one concern is that how much is his usage really going to jump? Like we see Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown with the ball in their hands oh, a lot. It's going to go down. And it might be even more. With, with Marcus Smart no longer in the fold. So I think that would be my biggest concern there. And I'm on the clock here. So. All right. So you, and I'll, I've given this thought before, but I'll give it to you just a bit of you know, food for thought as, as you're drafting, is that a lot of people, when they're thinking about fantasy and changes, they go, well, you know, Derek White replaces Marcus Smart, and therefore he's mm-hmm. going to have this big jump forward. And I always throw a couple of things out there. A, he started last season anyway. Like he was already the starter. He started 70 yeah. out of 82 games. So he started for them all season. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he moves into a role where he's more of a point guard than shooting guard. He's not He's not a nine-assist player. He's not that sort of guy. But he's usually just going to go down because Marcus Smart yeah. wasn't replaced by Derek White. Marcus Smart was replaced by Christos Porzingis. So Porzingis mm-hmm. comes in Good and point. is the third option. And Porzingis is the third option. is a way higher usage player than Marcus Smart. So Derek White yeah. stays as the fourth option, but with fewer shots to go around. Yes, more opportunities for assists, maybe more minutes. And if Brogdon's mm-hmm. elbow is completely rooted, then... 
he might have to play more, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be getting just usage up the wazoo. He's also yeah. been a guy that's had a lot of lower body injuries through his career and stayed healthy last season. So again, I love Derek White. I think he's a really useful player. That strips to me all value away, and I just worry that Jim Bob was maybe going, well, he's replaced Smart, so therefore it's a big bump in usage when it's actually probably going to be a decrease. Yeah. So what did you do? CJ, all right, Raf, okay, let's fight. I hate this. Yeah, I hate it. What, what are we doing? What, 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 I hate it. What's going on? Why are you picking CJ? I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that of the, the major guys that they have in New Orleans, he probably has the best chance of actually staying reasonably healthy. So he's also I'm the oldest. thinking maybe he is, but I don't know. I think you look at Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, we can almost bet on them missing 15 to 20 games at some point in the season. Yep. Um, I think that's McCollum, fair. Maybe, maybe he's at that point, but I, I think it's more likely that there will be times when one or both of those guys are out and he can kind of benefit in terms of his individual numbers when they're down. They, I heard this stat, I think it was on Zach Lowe, where Zion, Ingram, and CJ have played like 160 minutes together, ever. In, it's like 12 Jeez. games or like 12 games or something that's like what yeah. that that's actually crazy that's a year and a half and they've never played together and from yeah. memory I, they he didn't give these numbers or I know I'd looked it up in the past is that CJ was just like plummeted no usage assist rate was well down mm-hmm. and if those guys are able to play f- even 50 games each Ingram and Zion I don't know I don't know what he's going to do and I, I don't yeah. know where it fits he's again been a little propped up by those injuries to those guys and that could very well Jesus Christ Trey Murphy at 78 that, that had to be an auto didn't it apparently it wasn't okay wow um, yeah they, I, I just worry that he just sits there yeah. as the Derek White third option who is a worse, much mm-hmm. worse defender and that leads to concerns I just want to recap a few picks there because there were some interesting ones after I took Vassell went Marcus Smart Ja Morant okay uh, Cam Johnson Terry Rogier, I don't love it McCollum Jeremy Grant I was debating Jeremy Grant Kuzma, Jarrett Allen, also someone I looked at. Gobert, I think that's really good value for Gobert. Jalen Green, that's one. That, uh, the Trey Murphy one's just too early. Fultz, fuck, bony. He was in my queue. Fultz and Paul, two really good picks there. I want to talk the Jalen Green one here with you because I did a show on the Rockets yesterday. And he's obviously a good scorer, but yeah. I don't, he's not good at anything else. He's not good at efficiency. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't rebound. He doesn't get defensive stats. He doesn't do anything else. This is banking on some significant improvements here. Do you see it? Um, I don't know if I see it to this point where he should go this high. If anything, you're, in addition to banking on his own improvements, you're banking on the, the fact that they hired Ime Udoka as head coach and they brought in an actual point guard in Fred Van Vliet. Mm-hmm. So I think that's got a lot to do with why Green may be going higher than many of us expect. Um, but yeah, you'd like you'd hope that with those additions, he will do a bit more in the other areas. But yeah, through two years, he didn't do much besides score and not at a very efficient rate. Maybe it wasn't demanded of him to tighten things up, you know. So that's true. That's something to consider as well. 
And I was reading this, a great article by the guys at Clutch Fans about the whole Kevin Porter Jr. debacle and how Raph Stone yeah. and the coaching staff have just screwed this up at every turn. But talking about how the nonsense with Fernando starting over Shingun and the deprioritization of the ball in Shingun's hands was in large part to placate Kevin Porter because Kevin Porter can't run a pick and roll, couldn't hit guys on bounce passes, could only throw lobs. Whereas Jalen Green and Shingun had this great pick and roll chemistry and yeah. was never allowed to develop because they had to make Kevin Porter the focus point so I wonder that maybe there is a little bit in that now Green was a disappointment last season he did improve most of his numbers except the shooting numbers and mm -hmm. that could easily they're one of those things that can go seven eight percentage points higher in a year very very comfortably so there is some scope to that my worry is that I don't know if Udoka or Fred VanVleet is going to make him ever get defensive stats or rebound the ball because He's like three and a half rebounds in 33 minutes, which is, you know, Colin Sexton level putrid. So it's hard for me to see that. But I, I do think there is definite efficiency improvements that can come from him. Um, it is your pick. So while you're picking, I'm just going to recap what just went on then. After Fultz, it was Chris Paul to start around six, Dan Gafford, Draymond Green, Miles Bridges, and Nekara Kongwu, who was in my queue. Tyler Hero, that is, I think that's really good value for Hero there. Jalen Duran, who, and Mark Williams, who go at. 87, 88. A lot of times they're going outside the top 100. Um, I think the, the, you may be just taking a little bit off the top with them, but that's okay there. And you talk Anthony Simons. Now, he's a really interesting one, Raph. I want to get your take on this. His value, when he's always spiked up and we've seen the big Anthony Simons moments, has mm -hmm. been in situations where Damian Lillard has been out and people, I'm, I'm not saying this is what you're doing, people will go, well, that's fine. Lillard's getting traded, so Simons gets a chance to do this. But the thing that I will push back on with that is, I think it's actually a really good spot to take him here. I'm not saying it's not, mm -hmm. but the, I push back on it saying is that those times when Lillard was out, Simons was the point guard. And if Lillard is gone here, Simons will not be the point guard. So yeah. he's still in a situation where he's playing more off ball versus that on ball role that has caused those big spikes in fantasy production. So if you're expecting top 30, Anthony Simons, which you got in those two little sections when Lillard was out the last two years, that that role is not going to be the same because Lillard goes, scoots there. And it's just another guy who has the ball and setting things up yeah. and Simons is still playing off ball. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Simons for the, the whole season was primarily like a points and three-pointers guy. Mm -hmm. I think if you go in with that expectation, where I got him was is fine. Now, if you're thinking that he's going to suddenly develop this sky-high ceiling, it's not going to happen even if they trade Damian Lillard. Because like you mentioned, it's going to be Scoot Henderson who takes the keys of that offense if they trade Lillard. Um, yes. There's a reason why they draft him with that pick, and they're going to see what they have in Scoot. But I think at this point there really aren't any secrets in terms of what they have in Simons. And I kind of wonder, like we saw his name in trade rumors last season, I don't think that's going to slow down just because they trade Damian Lillard because if they keep him, you're in the same situation that you're in with Lillard and C.J. McCollum. I agree. And while there was some success, it didn't get them that ultimate goal. So why would you take that same exact approach? My understanding in Portland was, is that Simons was told there is a huge chance that you are getting traded in this offseason. We will look to package you with our draft pick to get somebody else in. And then when they landed pick three, that was still the case. It was going to be Simons and three getting traded yeah. out. And then they heard that Charlotte was going to do something stupid and enable Scoot to fall through to them at three. They went, oh, okay, we're not, we're not trading away pick three unless we're getting an absolute yeah. superstar in return. They still don't, they want, 
Scoot and Shaden to be the backcourt of the future. That that's what mm-hmm. they want. They don't want to play all three of those guys together. Again, is my understanding with that. So it, it leads us into a situation of again, and that is part of why they don't want Tyler Hero back in a trade because how the hell does that work? Like to have Scoot, Shaden, yeah. Hero, and Simons, like none of that works. So mm-hmm. look, Simons could go somewhere else and be like if he went to San Antonio and was their point guard instead of Trey Jones. Love it. Like that's fantastic. I don't know yeah. how it happens, mm-hmm. but it's fantastic as it's my pick. Um, but yeah, the, you know, he's has to be at risk of being moved literally anywhere at, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, my pick Wiggins just went. I took Tobias Harris with my last selection. Um, I think what I'm going to do at this spot... Oh, he's still there, Wendell Carter. I do need a center-eligible player. All right, he'll slide in for me at uh, pick number seven. Um, I was debating... Ooh. I'll tell you, it's only a mock draft. I was debating Nurkic at that spot, but I think I might be able to f- slide him through on the next go around. Yeah, I, I'm not too big on Nurkic coming into this season. Uh, he's another guy that I can see being moved. This is um, this is good, Raph. This is good debate topic. We're, we're first taking this here. I, I, I'm glad yeah. you brought that up. Okay, so who is the Blazers' backup center at the moment? Um, <laughs> I think, isn't it uh, Jabari? Jabari Walker is in the mix for it, yep. Jabari Walker, it's, yeah. It's either him um, or it's Mo- Moses Brown, like legendary tanky yeah. legend Moses Brown. And look, neither of those guys are long-term starting centers. Jabari Walker's not, not really big enough for that as we get around to your pick in a second here. So after it took Wendell, it was Michael Porter, D'Angelo Russell, Ben Simmons. Interesting pick there. Kingy, I, I don't mind it. Um, but my thing is that like, Nurkic has got three years left at... 50-something million, 58 million, I think it is, something around, yeah. that's, which is a lot, right? No one's treating that, man. That's a great contract. So my mm-hmm. argument has always been, and I could very well be proven wrong on this, is that in order for Portland to dump Nurkic, they would need to give up assets to do it. Nobody's looking at yeah. that as a positive That's deal. They would, mm-hmm. you know, If you're including that in the Lillard deal, then the team giving something back in that trade would be like, well, we're not giving you back more because we have to take on Nurkic now. So it's considered negative. So on a team that's going nowhere, that's rebuilding, why would you give up an asset or get fewer assets back in return just to get off mm-hmm. that contract. What else are you doing with that money? He's not blocking the path of anybody. There's no one else coming through. Unless someone else does actually give you positive assets in return for it. I, I, I don't know how I don't know how that is going to work out. I, I don't know who in that situation is going to be and is Joe Cronin that incompetent that he would dump assets on top of Nurkic mm-hmm. just to get him off the team? Like it doesn't add up to me. It could happen. Lots of things happen that don't add up in the NBA all the time, but that's where I go. I think I can't trust his health at all, obviously. Yeah. But I, I just the move of him, I I don't see how it makes a ton of sense at this point. You make a good point. Um, my only counter would be that you there are twenty nine other teams in the NBA. All it takes is one idiot to to sign up. Yeah, shout out to uh, Mitch Kupchak. Mitch Kupchak, how's <laughs> yeah. it going over there? Yeah, it does. You're right, yeah. and it does. All it takes is one stupid thing to happen, where you go, what are, what are they thinking? And any logic moves like it's yeah you're not talking just two teams you're talking that somebody else just has to do something silly or misevaluate or differently evaluate for your theories to go wrong so yeah i, I totally buy that so you took clinker Pella. um i will be honest ralph i love it i think it's really really good at that spot because yeah. a i believe he is going to start it probably is a minute split but his name has been rumored in trades and if he is traded there's almost no way he's going to a worse situation. He's not going mm-hmm. to another spot where he's going to be an 18-minute backup. If he is traded to Dallas, he would be a 28-minute-a-night starter very comfortably. So he, in a lot of mocks, I assume, is going behind Okongwu. 
Um, but I look, there is there is a lot of upside in him still, even at his you know, experience yeah. level. Yeah, he should not fall off the fantasy map at all. Um, no, it's really good like you me. said, even in even in even timeshare between him and Akangu, he can give you enough in terms of rebounds and field goal percentage to where there's still going to be positive value there. Now, the free throw percentage may be an issue, but I'm not too concerned about that, especially with this team build where I have Giannis as my first pick. Mm. I'm kind of I'm not fully conceding free throw percentage, but I'm not expecting to win that very often with this team. No, I'd say that there are a couple of teams who have, at the moment in my projections are looking worse than you, but you're in the bottom three for free throws. Okay. After um, Capella went, Ty, uh, Trey Jones, not Ty, sorry, Buddy Heald. You know, I don't think I would have done that, but it's not bad at 100. Clay Thompson, Jordan Clarkson, Keegan Murray, PJ Washington, Zach Collins. I love that Zach Collins pick there. Aaron yeah. Gordon and mm-hmm. Yusuf Nurkic. So the, those two picks there, Collins and Nurkic at one far out. That's late, 111 and 113. Ah, Bruce Brown, that's who I was going to pick. Um, yeah, I love that. Uh, that's Zach Collins' pick to me. Uh, there are yeah. there are some people who don't believe that he will be a starter, and I am 100% convinced that he's the starter in San Antonio. They told us like everything that they've they've said and done down there leads us should lead you to understand that Zach Collins is going to be the starting center on opening night. Correct. Pop said it late last season. Mm-hmm. They drafted Wimbanyama, and in that press release announcing his signing, they made sure to note that Wimbanyama is a forward, mm-hmm. not a center. So I think your only question at this point: How far does? Keldon Johnson, who hasn't been a great fantasy player, how far does he drop if he moves into a six-man role? Because I really think that he's going to be the one that moves to the bench to give them scoring. I, I do. I role. believe. I, I do too. Um, I don't know whether he will, but my, my it's not even a conspiracy theory, really. But the fact that he came out almost unprompted and was like, yeah, I'm happy to come off the bench, um, yeah. do what I need to help the team. Like, bro, you're happy mm-hmm. to come off the bench because I said you're coming off the bench. Like, that just doesn't yeah. that just doesn't happen as a general rule where one specific mm-hmm. player comes out and says that when there is someone who is going to have to move to the bench. That very well could be Jeremy yeah. Sohan. But Keldon Johnson was the DeJounte Murray, a team from two years ago where mm-hmm. they needed him to take on a large usage role. It is definitely not what is good for him or good for the team to be in that level of a usage role. Um, he scored good points. Shout out to Kelly Oubre, but it doesn't mean anything. Like he wasn't good at that role. He Mm -hmm. sucks at so many other areas. And this is not like his role on a good team is what you said, a scorer as a sixth man. And I have firmly believed the Spurs should have just tried to get a first rounder, send him to a good team and cash in for something now because that's a valuable role for those teams. But he's not a number one option as a starter, as a 28 usage player. So I think he's going to suffer a pretty pretty significant... um, Pretty significant drop off in his in his numbers, mm-hmm. but they might start him. I I, I don't know, um, and it's going to be very interesting to watch there. Okay, let's go through the picks. So after Nurkic, it was Bruce Brown, which I don't like him doing that because I wanted him. Shaden Sharp, Amen Thompson, Paulie <laughs> Paulie Reed, Josh Hart, Tari Eason. Now, in a we get into your pick in a second. In a twelve team league, Paul Reed at pick one hundred and twenty or whatever is a bench player on your team, and I totally am okay with t- doing whatever you want in that spot. We're in a sixteen team league here. This is your. Eighth best player, still a starter. I think you've got to have a slightly different mindset. I think there is value in Reed, but there's also very little safety in taking him as your best, your eighth best player. Raf, how are you viewing like your pick here? In like, cause in a regular twelve team league, at pick 121, we're in round 11, the start of round 11, and you are just looking at filling out your bench, but you're not here. You're still filling out starter. So, do you change your mindset much at all? Yeah, it's funny that you. You asked that when we just spent like two minutes talking bad about Calvin Johnson. He's still yeah. on the board there. I went with Jaden McDaniels. 
Um, obviously, the, the scoring isn't going to be there with him, but I think some of the defensive stats and the other things that he brings to the table can be valuable to a fantasy team. So that's why I went with him there. Yeah, I think he's got limited offensive upside this season just in terms of usage. Yeah. Nothing changes in that team. In fact, it gets worse mm-hmm. with Towns returning, but he's a steal and a block player. Um, he's also mm-hmm. a, a putrid rebounder, which, again, with more Towns and Gobert is not really going to improve. So while he might be arguably, Raph, the best perimeter defender in the entire NBA, and that's not a hard, mm-hmm. that's not a hard argument to make, that doesn't necessarily mean great fantasy player. But again, at this yeah. point, we know that there is a very, very safe floor on what he does. Like he is mm-hmm. not going to be at risk of playing 20 minutes a night. He's not going to be at risk of yeah, scoring eight points and shooting 30% or anything like that. Like he's got a really safe floor. I just would, if we're looking at this from a 12-team perspective, if you're taking him around eight in a 12-team, I think there's no point in that. The upside, yeah. it's very hard to push ahead of Edwards or Towns um, to mm-hmm. get into that level of, and that's just not his game either. Oh, I saw Thompson win. That's who yeah. I was going to take. Um, Jaden Ivey goes after McDaniels, then Asar Thompson. Kingy, you bastard. Um, Mitch Robinson goes there. And now it's my pick, so I better make one. So it is my eighth pick. I was considering Asar, even though I've just talked about the value of stability or floor. Um, hmm. Is, do I take Keldon? I don't think so. That feels pretty rude. Should I? No. Um, hmm. I, hmm. All right. I would never do this in a 12-team league at pick 126, but I'm just going to take Mike Conley. This is a starting point guard at pick 126. Um, I'm still filling out my starting spots. Jordan McLaughlin's not coming for his role. He's, he's still really good, Mike Conley, and we just have to, our mindset just has to change a little bit, I think, in these deeper drafts. I would never do it in round 11 or 12 yeah. of a standard league draft. I never would. There's no point to it, I don't think. But here... Yeah, let's, let's let's do it. And like that's why I was considering. Like I was looking. Hey, maybe Herb Jones makes sense. Maybe maybe mm-hmm. it is Keldon Johnson. Maybe it is. Um, yeah, like a, a Kevin Herter, even who I, I don't really like for standard format either, because I think there's no upside. But it's a, upside has a different definition when you get into a league like this. As Herter just yeah. goes one pick later mm-hmm. at, at one twenty seven. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, let's. I, I want to bring this up because I'm looking at Anthony Melton. But what do you okay. what do you take on Kelly Oubre? Because there are people who are like, man, you should be really excited for him for fantasy. Harden might be gone. Oubre will jump in. And I cannot stress enough that Kelly Oubre is just a bad basketball player. He scored 20, <laughs> 20 points per game, but the man has never decided to defend a second in his life. Passing, doesn't know what any of that means. He's never heard that word in his life. Um, he's not guaranteed to start anyway. The reason he put up 20 a night last season was because Lamelo was out, then Hayward was out, and Bridges was gone, and Roger missed time. And... I don't know why Steve Clifford put him into that line, but he was horrendous, I thought, playing, even though he scored 20 a night. And I just don't think that, A, if Harden is traded, that literally no one's coming back in a trade. There's someone coming back. And if you're relying yeah. upon Kelly Oubre, who is a worse player than DeAnthony Melton, then your team is going to suck. So I don't see this huge, open, wide pathway for Oubre to be this great option um, in Philly. Do you push back on that or disagree at all? Why did someone just draft Kevin Porter? What on earth is going on? Far out. I'm sorry, D. Fraley. That is one of the more insane. Are you, are you auto-picking? That's insane. As I go to make my pick. Talk about Oubre for a second while I try and digest what on earth just happened. I look at Oubre as a smaller Christian Wood. In that oh, he's yeah, put up ex- numbers. exactly. Yep, exactly. He's put up numbers on truly atrocious teams, but teams that are good and have championship ambitions, which I like to think Philadelphia does. Oh, you'd hope they do. You know, he's going to be a reserve. He'll get consistent rotation minutes, but I don't think he's going to get the playing time needed to make an impact in fantasy. 
um, that you're probably looking for, um, at least at, at this point in the draft, whether we're talking standard or a, or a larger league setting. So I don't, I don't really have a problem using like a late end of draft pick on him. But at this point, I think there are better options available. I'm saying all this, Ubre hasn't been picked here, but it was just a name that came into my head when I saw Melton. And we'll okay. see where he ends up going. But I, I just wanted to get your take on it because he's one of those guys that people love. They think he's good. Some people think he's bad, and they're the people who are correct. But there are people who think he is good, and they think this is this great option. For, there is a reason that he didn't sign until the fifteenth of September. Yeah. It's because he thinks he's better than he is, and other teams are like, "Bro, like, no, like, what do you? No, you're not, not going to do that on our team. So pull your head in, and you've never shown an ability to pull your head in." As my Q just gets absolutely destroyed, I pick Sadiq Bay, who is a limited upside player, but is probably going to start. After him went Kyle Anderson, Jeremy Sohan, and Patrick Williams, who. Anderson, not so much. I think his role is going to be pretty low compared to last season. But Sohan and Williams, a little bit of upside there. Raph, who are you targeting with your pick coming up here? You're one pick away. Who do you hope that Glyzides does not take? Um, I'm hoping he leaves De'Anthony Melton on the board. Okay. Um, I think that's but- totally reasonable to take Melton here. I think it's a, a really good spot. I know that there are people who will go way higher on that, but I think this is a good spot for him. Or oh, he takes Westbrook. There you go. Wow, I've never seen someone pick so fast, Raph. That was a, just yeah, lightning. Yeah. <laughs> No time to waste. That was lightning to get Melton there. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good spot for Melton. And like I said, yeah, Harden might go and Melton might start, but we're also that's the assumption that literally nobody comes back in a Harden trade. Yeah. That yeah, and look, Nick Nurse might fall in love with Anthony Melton and play him thirty-seven minutes a night, and we'd all love that. Doesn't seem likely, but it, you could ha- it could happen. Like there's there's possibilities of that, um, but it's not that it's just a clear clear pathway. For, for Melton. The other argument I've had with Ubre, I don't know why I'm stuck on Ubre, is that people seem to think he's a power forward. He's not. Like He never plays at the four. He plays at the two and the three. Yeah. It impacts guys like Paul Reed a little bit because it means that mm-hmm. there's fewer minutes perhaps for three-guard lineups with Melton at the three or fewer minutes for T- Tobias Harris at the three, but he, he would never really, in, in many lives, play the four at all. Yeah, I don't, I don't see that happening. Um, especially, you know, Nick Nurse, I think, as we saw in Toronto, his issues with Chris Boucher in terms of <laughs> one, one set of games, he's playing quality rotation minutes. The next, he's in the doghouse. I think Ubre is going to be that type of player for him. Um, oh, where would, you I, may see like a four or five game stretch where he's like, why isn't he on more fancy rosters? Then we get our reminder as to why the next week. Yeah, I think that that is, that is fair. I, I, but to be honest, like, and I thought that Steve Clifford would just tear his hair out that he doesn't have over Ubre's lack yeah. of passing and defense last season. I go, bro, he's not going to play him. But he also mm-hmm. lost a lot of options. I think if he had have had yeah. ball available, if he had had Bridges, or if he had have had, honestly, if Cody Martin was available, <laughs> Co- Cody Martin mm-hmm. is a Steve would have been a Steve Clifford legend. Like, Bro, go play 25 minutes, knock down some corner threes, defend your ass off and move the ball, all the things that Ubre doesn't do. But he didn't have any of those guys available. So everything sort of just rolled into this perfect situation for Ubre to put up numbers. He did, and it still didn't make anything for a new contract. Hmm. After you took Melton, it went Schroeder. I like Matherin. Matherin's an interesting one. Obviously, upside as a younger player, but I was relatively disappointed with what he did last season. Um, Raf just needs to pause the draft. All right, Raf. Oh, good, mate. No, I'm just yeah, gonna... I'll just take me like 30 seconds. All right, okay. we're back. We're back here. Raf's ready to go. Let's get the let's get the draft rolling again. We're back in business. Gordon Haywood just went after Obi Toppin and Ivica Zubats. Toppin, I don't think he's a particularly good 
um, player, but I also do think that at that spot, it's relatively solid. I think he will start for the Pacers. Oh, that's an interesting one. What's your take on Al Horford this season? That timer expired on that pick, but we'll see. Uh, I'm not too big on him this year. Um, I think you look at that roster, he's the one who's most likely going to move to the bench. Oh, interesting. And I, also, I, I disagree, but that's that's interesting. You, you take you have him over Williams? Um, I, I tell you why I, I think that is... I okay. I understand that his minutes will probably drop, and I'd say that's true for Horford, but I just mm-hmm. think that when you... If you want, I would want to, as a coach, minimize the time that Porzingis and Williams are on the court together because I don't want those guys switching and defending the perimeter. Both of them are best dropping yeah. and covering and protecting the rim. Mm. And if you've already got a lineup that already lacks ball movement, where Tatum's not a good passer, Brown's horrendous, White's okay, uh, Porzingis doesn't really pass that well, and Williams is not going to do it. Like, Horford can do that. He can connect. He can shoot. He can switch onto the perimeter. So I would want to get Horford and most of his minutes paired with Porzingis and in that starting lineup where he can act as more of a, not quite a DeMontis Sabonis, but a bit of a facilitator as the big man. Yeah. Even, even if you keep his minutes down, I just think you would want him out there with that group for his intelligence, his defensive positioning, and his ability to get onto the perimeter. Because I don't want Porzingis or Williams switching out onto the perimeter. It's a good point. I didn't. I did not think about that. But That's that, why we have these conversations. But it might but, not happen. Yeah. Look, yeah. I, when I talked yeah. to John Corrales of Locked On Celtics, he was like, "I think they're going to go with Williams and Porzingis," and I was like, okay. "I don't know." Look, I to me again, it doesn't matter what I think. This is what I think would happen, and this is what logic to me would dictate. But it also doesn't matter mm. what I think because Joe Mazzulla just might be like, "Well." It's easier for me, and coaches have dumb ideas about this, so it's easier for me to keep his minutes down by playing him off the bench, yeah. which I guess is true, but it's also not true because you don't have to do that. Um, but yeah, it is, a, it is a really... And also, we know he's he's going to sit every back-to-back. Like He conveniently had mm-hmm. back spasms every back-to-back last season, and I'm, I've got a feeling that that might happen again. That's just you know the, the luck of the draw. I reckon that just might happen with him again this season. So we'll see how that all plays out. But I do love the pick that went after that, Denny Avdia, who, again, if I was Wes Unseld... I would start him, but I think Wes might not be the greatest coach, but I think I would start him as a defensive option between Poole and Kuzma. Much better than having Kispert out there, I think. Um, But we'll see. Uh, Brogdon, Boyan Bogdanovich, Rashawn Holmes, Jalen Johnson, and there goes Keldon Johnson, which is absolutely a very, very strong pick in this sort of a draft at that spot, Raf. Yeah, I think at this point, you get him, I think, was that like 164, I want to say? In uh, terms of your, uh, no, it's actually 148. 148, there you go. Yeah, I think 148 is a fair spot to get him. I, I have him like the 130s in terms of, you know, where I would rank him. So 148, I think you're getting good value there. It's not to the point where he could potentially hurt you if, if things really go, go south down there. Uh, yes, I uh, I agree. Oh, I do. Not, oh, Bobby Portis, I do not like that Lou Dort pick. I don't. There is to me, there is just a lot more guys on the board here who are in better spots than Lou uh, Lugens Dort. Um, oh, I've got a, I've got quite a few guys that I'm interested in here. This is I didn't really think that getting to close to pick 160, I'd have a. Ooh, that's spicy. I didn't think I'd have a plethora of guys. I tell you what, I I hate these two picks, Lou Dort and Kevon Looney. Hate that pick of Looney at that spot. I, I don't really see the upside in it, but I do love the pick from old Nathan Drake here of Keontae George. Um, yeah, yeah I, I think that there is an outside shot that he is a starter mm-hmm. opening night. After you make this pick, Raph, I'm going to put this in your head. How many rookies do you think start opening night? After, oh. after you make this pick, and then I'll look at what I'm going to do. And we'll, we'll, we can go through and have a talk. I've given my thoughts on this quite a few times. I, yeah, I, yeah. 
Oh, you bastard. Colin Sexton was in my queue too. All right. <laughs> who are, who, yeah, how many rookies do you think start on, for their team's first game of the season without knowing injury statuses of guys or preseason yeah. or whatever? So, Wembenyama, right? We'll go him. Wembenyama's starting. We know that one. Yeah, he's out. And I don't think we're going to get more than, I would say, four. Wow. Off the top of my head. I, I think that's high. I don't even know if we get that many. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, I'm not even sure about that. Just because you think about Scoot Henderson, mm-hmm. whether he starts is, is going to depend on what happens with Damian Lillard. Um, Brandon Miller, given what Charlotte did in terms of bringing back Miles Bridges and P.J. Washington. Now, Bridges won't be available opening night with the suspension, but yeah. there's still, Hay- okay, still, well, still, still Hay- Haywood and P.J. Hayward. still there. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I'd like the Tom- Amen Thompson's not going to start. Asar Thompson, maybe, if they bring Isaiah Stewart off the bench. He's a maybe. Uh, Jarris yeah. Walker, I don't think so. Bilal Kalabali, I don't think so. Taylor Hendricks, I don't think so. Anthony Black, I don't think maybe. so. Um, Do you count Chet Holmgren as I, I Okay, I said rookies. I, I meant 2023 draft. First year. Okay. 20- I meant 20- yeah. yeah. Okay. Chet, Chet will start. So Chet and Victor, if you're gonna count rookies, but if you if you're gonna if, if I say rookies versus draft mm-hmm. class, yeah, Chet will start. But okay. I, I, there is a chance that there Keontae might actually be the one of only two rookies because Scoot might not, depending on Lillard. Miller might not, and Asar. Mm-hmm. They're the other three who I think are, are a debate. Asar Thompson, Brandon Miller, or Scoot. And I wouldn't say that any of them are absolutely locked in at this point. I think the one name I would throw in for discussion would be Jet Howard in Orlando, um, just because of how poor. They are as a perimeter shooting team, Ooh, and that's okay. one of his attributes. It I don't. Is. I think it's a long shot, but I think if they're looking for spacing and they don't feel like they can get it from the guys they currently have, and also Gary Harris's past injury issues, that's something else to consider there. Maybe Jet Howard gets the opportunity to compete, but I think that's going to be a long shot, if anything. It would mean him jumping ahead of Gary Harris and. Yeah. Jalen Suggs. I agree that the shooting is important there. I, I, I don't think he's going to be remotely ready to do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I can see why we could have that discussion about him starting. I also think there's an argument that he's not even going to be in the rotation because they'll run mm-hmm. Fultz, they'll run Black, Suggs, and Harris in that backcourt, yeah. and he just is the odd man out. But you're right. Look, if he does show he can, he can hit and he can play 22 minutes as a starter, as a shooter out there, totally okay. Oh, D. Fraley. I was debating. I took Bogdan Bogdanovich with my pick, the 10th pick, and I was mm. going to take Christian Wood there. Oh, man, this this guy's doubled up. He's gone Kevin Porter, <laughs> who's not going to play, and then he's gone Wood and Oubre. He's gone Tor Kelly Oubre and short Christian Wood. Um, and then Caleb Martin. So back to my pick. I was going to take Christian Wood there at that spot, but this now brings mm. us back to a guy. Oh, now I'm debating whether I do it or not. I was going to take Josh Richardson, who we spoke about earlier, but the other guy... I've got here in my little sites, and I'm sure you'll probably take Josh when we get back to him. I'm going to take, given the uncertainty around ravishing Rick Rubio, I'm going to take Karis LeVert just as a guy that will slot in whenever someone misses a game and be, I would assume, the backup point guard unless you have super yeah. strong feelings on Ty Jerome. Um, Ty Jerome is a great college player. <laughs> I don't think he's a great NBA player. He definitely so, he, he definitely was a great college player. I agree with that. Um, so I took Levert, Malik Monk. He was another one who I debated. So Josh Richardson, w- will he be a target of yours if he gets back to your pick here at number l- round 11, pick 170-odd, 168? 
He will. Um, I'm a, I think in Yahoo leagues, he has forward eligibility too. That could very well change on fan tracks, mm. but I think maybe, you know, he's some for that reason, especially if he has multi-positional, you know, availability, I think that's going to boost his value even more. But, you know, as you, as you mentioned earlier, the opportunity to start, and even if he doesn't start, he's going to be a key factor in that rotation. So, I think Jay Rich at this spot, especially in the 16 team draft, will be a, a good value pick. Oh, there are some. Okay. Oh, Jesus. It's getting to your pick here. There, James Wiseman just went in round 11. Now, again, I would always tell people once you pass your starters, do whatever with your bench, take upside swings. Yeah. I would say taking the worst player in the NBA as an upside swing is probably not the greatest idea. I don't know whether they're going to persist with playing him. He's actually atrocious. But if he does get minutes, he can put up points and rebounds. And he can block some shots. But, man, he is so bad. And I just, at some point, you hope that actual real talent evaluation comes into it. And they just see that not only, and people have this argument all the time, well, they didn't pay anything to get him. And someone had this discussion with me about Kevin Porter. What did the Rockets actually give up to get him? Nothing. So it's not actually a waste. But yeah. it's not It's not about that, Raph. It's about you bringing a guy in and putting him there where it makes every other piece around him not make sense. It stifles mm-hmm. the growth of your center of the future in Jalen Duran. He's a black hole offensively, meaning that your Jaden Ivies or Cade Cunninghams or Asar Thompsons don't get the ball as they need to. And then defensively, he puts everyone else out of position. And it's the same with Kevin Porter, like investing these money into this guy and this and the time and the role into those players. It hurts you in other ways that aren't just what assets did I give up to get this guy. And if you play Wiseman and Duran together, it screws everything up. It screws Duran up yeah. and it screws your guards up. Everything gets messed up. And that's that's the cost. It's not just a cost of what am I paying him or what did I pay to get him. And often we don't think of the what actual on-court cost is there to prioritizing a bloke like that. Yeah, I think with Wiseman, he's also a victim of his circumstances. Like he yeah. only played three games at Memphis. That were bad. Think, that were bad though. Like he he was bad. I yeah, I, they, they, I I agree. But I I would say, what if someone like him, instead of trying to go the college route, went with like G League Ignite? Mm-hmm where he could play and actually develop because once he decided to leave that program in in January, when it was obvious that they weren't going to let him play again anytime soon, what are you doing? Like, I don't know who his trainers were, so I'm not going to get on here and like outright disrespect them, but individual training really doesn't hold a candle to what you get in five and five situations in terms of applying what you're learning on the floor. And then also, you add to that, they didn't have summer league or anything like that because of the pandemic. True, true. He didn't have any time to truly develop as he needed to. And joining a team that was looking to win a title until every everybody got hurt in Golden State, that wasn't going to help him either. Because you got a bunch of vets looking at a guy like him, like, you can't help me win another ring. Like, why are you here? Mm. So that obviously a lot of it comes down to him and working at his deficiencies but he still has a long way to go. But I think the circumstances haven't helped either. I, I agree to 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 an extent with that. The circumstances haven't yeah. been great for him, but he's also not the only player that went through those pandemic yeah. and no summer yeah. league circumstances. True. He brought some of the college stuff on himself. And also coming out of college, mm-hmm. like I again, maybe I'm a little bit biased here because I looked at him and thought, there's no way I'm taking him in the top four. I think I had him six on that draft board because I just didn't love the overall yeah. talent overall in that draft. And I thought mm-hmm. some of the stuff is exactly how it's played out. Like, can he, he can block shots, but... He doesn't know where to be on defense. Yeah. Offensively, he doesn't know, know where to be. He doesn't know how to move the ball. And all that stuff has, has played out. But you're right. There are some circumstantial things. But yeah, you mentioned G League. And if you had gone to the G League, 
do you think he would have outperformed what, say, Leonard Miller did this season? I, I don't think so. I think Leonard Miller was a, would had a significantly better season than anything yeah. Wiseman would no, have done, just as a smarter player and a, a player. Who I'm just saying. No, I agree. I'm just I agree. saying the young man would actually know how to play basketball. Yeah, well, you, you no, would. Hope. That's that's my argument. You you, know? you would hope that he would do things a little bit differently to how he has uh, yeah. done them so far. But a couple of interesting players went off the board there. This guy makes the comment here. Boney says Dylan Brooks and Lou Dort on the same team is crazy. <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> Imagine the bricks there. Um, John Isaac goes in round eleven. I I absolutely not. Max Struess. Von Carter, Cole Anthony. I was really looking at Cole. He would have been a good pick for me. And then Isaiah Stewart. We're in this situation where, again, we're in round 12, so he's taken two bench guys. Stewart, on the value proposition for this spot here, Raf, pick 177, is totally reasonable. He probably can return yeah. that. But I also want to just, can someone do better than that? Can someone be a top 120 guy at this spot? I'm not sure that, I'm not sure he can do that. Yeah, the, the ceiling is limited. Um, now, they before last season, they encouraged him to take more three pointers. The guy's not a very good shooter, and I think they're going to encourage know, more of it this season. To be honest, they need because um, because well, they've got those other centers, right? So they need him to be able to shoot to play the four. And if he can't, I I, I don't know where any of those guys go. How do they yeah. all fit together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's going to have opportunities, but is he going to shoot it well enough to where he can make say two per game? Um, I don't think he. It's true. Maybe. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think, yeah, I don't, yeah, I agree. Like he hits two per game, then you're talking about a higher fantasy upside. But I just don't know if he can reach that point. I I think that's reason. I I, I don't rate him as a starter. I don't rate him as a shooter. Yeah. I think he is a player that, because of his size and skill deficiencies, like good defender but not big, um, okay shooter but not great. Yeah, his best role is as a backup. Like it's as Montrez Harrell is sort of a guy who probably never is good, as good as Montrez Harrell, doesn't play that many minutes. He's a nice little energy big, comes in, does a few little things, plays his 22 minutes and pisses back off to the bench. Um, mm-hmm. When you've got real clear options of other ways, like if I was then Boyan would start at the four and Asar would start at the three, even though Asar has his shooting struggles. Like that's that's your future. It's not Isaiah Thomas as Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Stewart as this center converted to a power forward who's not a reliable yeah. shooter. Um a couple of picks back to back there, which I think or three three picks in a row here I want to illustrate before we get to you. After Isaiah Stewart went Alex Caruso, okay, then Third pick of round 12 was Delon Wright. Fourth pick was Harrison Barnes. Fifth pick was Cam Thomas. Now, on the surface, Harrison Barnes is easily the best player of that group. He will probably put up the best numbers yeah. of those guys. There is 0% chance that he has anywhere near the ceiling of what Cam Thomas does. Now, Cam Thomas has probably got 3% chance of getting there, but that is just a very different mindset between Sly Boogie and Cowboy here. Even with D-Line Wright, I don't think there's really huge upside in D-Line. Like he's not going to push and play 30 minutes a night really on any team, whether he's traded or stays in Washington. That's going for a safety of the floor on your second bench guy, which I don't love, versus taking Cam Thomas. I go, well, what if? What if they look at him and give him 25 minutes a night as a pure gunner bench guy? Now, Jacques Vaughan obviously hated what he did last season, but that's fine. Raf, we're dropping our bottom two, three guys immediately anyway like we're looking at what happens and those guys can be expendable and if Thomas isn't in the rotation we get rid of him whereas Barnes would probably just do enough we go I don't know if I can drop that he's got 13 points and four rebounds and is that good enough to drop like that's just a different mindset I would lean towards the Thomas one even though Thomas wouldn't have been the guy that I would pick there that's the mindset that I would go with and you I think I think think you've done it as well going with Aldama yeah at this point you're you're trying to take swings because Mm. 
the, I think the last thing you want with a late round pick is to have someone who's playing 28 to 30 minutes and there's like limited upside. Like Harrison Barnes, as you mentioned, he's going to do just enough to keep you from dropping him. And that could, and if you hesitate, mm. you know, and you don't take a swing like later in the season where you see someone who could be of value, that could be the difference between winning a league and not doing so. So I think at this point, even like hey, Cam Thomas is a free swing in my opinion. If it doesn't work out, you just drop him. And I'm pretty sure you can find someone else. It's it's just interesting to see the way the different way that people are approaching this. Like Cam Thomas, mm-hmm. Corey Kispert, Santiago yeah. Dama. Like they've all got a chance to fully exceed what they're doing. But then you've got the guys going with the Barnes, Caldwell Pope, even like a Divincenzo. Like there's no 32 minute upside for Divincenzo in New York. There's just too many guards yeah. there. So. Yeah, how does he get there? Kingy takes Luke Kennard, who might start the first 25 games, have 15 points and hit three and a half threes at 45%. Like, that's fine. That's mm-hmm. what you do at that spot. And then the next pick is Hachimura, who I think is going to start, but has historically yeah. been a very bad category league player. Now, to be fair, at pick 189, mm-hmm. it's not terrible, but I'd argue how much, how high can Rui actually get in terms of his production. And he's one of those guys that people saw the last couple of games in the playoffs and he had these strong games, but he also shot 29% from three as a member of the Lakers. He was out of the rotation basically at the end of the regular season. And even in the early parts of the playoffs, he was barely playing. Um, He's, he's just, he's not that good. And I think if you're running a lineup where he's playing the three, a lot of the time, because LeBron and Davis are at the four and the five, I, I don't think that makes you a super strong team as I get ready for my pick. All right, Raph, let's crowdsource this for a second. Suggs or Kobe White? Jalen Suggs, Kobe White. Who's got higher upside here? Oh, God. I don't really like either one of them. Right, well, um, screw you then. I, um, think I, would, I think I would go Kobe White in cool. terms of upside. Okay. I think as a scorer, obviously... Oh, fuck. My pick ran out as I was talking. I am reversing <laughs> that because I was... Um, I just want to do it for the sake of me talking. Um, I think that Kobe White has... More upside as a scorer for sure, but Suggs has more upside in terms of minutes. If he yeah. actually gets things together, that he could play 30 minutes as a starter. And I think, I don't know whether White has that in Chicago. So I think I'm just going to take Suggsy and we'll see what he's able to do in year three. He's already an elite defensive guard. I just, mm-hmm. I need him to be the Jalen Suggs that played against the Warriors in that one game last season versus the Jalen Suggs <laughs> that has played the other 80 games in his um, yeah. career. I mean, he, he can't seem to avoid the injury bug either. No, no, that's, that's a problem. It's, his ankles that's a problem. Are, are, are bad. Yeah. But yeah, I can see your point in terms of the minutes upside. I just don't trust his offensive skill set right now. No, at absolutely. This point in his career. So I think that would be my reason for taking White over Suggs. But see, White to me is know. in a similar spot as Suggs' teammate Cole Anthony, who's probably got okay. more, more yeah. upside for minutes because they're quite good as this bench scorer, but they're probably not going to be invested in to start because in mm-hmm. Chicago, obviously there's Levine and I think it's going to be Javon Carter, but there's also Caruso, there's Desumu in that mix as well. And while I would love to see Kobe get those 30 minutes, I just think the pathway as it's back to my pick, maybe I just take Kobe now anyway. Um, yep. I think I do. Um, it's harder to get there, but you know, maybe they just say, I Desumu that first year was that first 40 games was a fluke. Like you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. And we want, Kobe White to play the Jordan Clarkson role where you play 29 minutes off the bench and you're a key key scorer because Clarkson's made that role. Lou Williams, Jamal Crawford, whoever you want to throw out there, Clarkson's the new one of those guys that he could do that. And yeah, I ended up getting both of those guys. So good pick. Oh, okay. Um, Christian Brown. Yeah. Christian Brown goes... I was hoping... 
Well, all right, sell me on it. We're on we're in round 13. It's 196. It's not very high. He's going to have a larger role. But what does he do that is good from a fantasy perspective? On court, I really love what he does defensively. What does he do that is good for fantasy? And where is his scope to do better things this season? I don't think we truly know. Like, he certainly had flashes during the regular season, then on their run to the championship. If anything, his value is being boosted by the fact that a lot of us look at their bench and who they added and or didn't add and think there really aren't too many options for him to compete with. You know, maybe first-round pick out of Gonzaga, Julian Strother competes for rotation minutes with him on the wing. But I think Braun has kind of built up that trust to where he's going to get first dibs to kind of – get those minutes and, and play his way out of them, so to speak. So, no, I agree. I th- I think- he will be the sixth man. He will play 25, but yeah, what does he do with them? Like, that's the thing. Can he, can he, mm-hmm. his free throws were pretty bad last season. Can he hit threes? He get field goal percentage. Does he ever touch the ball? Cause he's not Bruce Brown. He'll play Bruce Brown's role, but he's not Bruce Brown. He's not going to run as the point guard. Yeah. And that unfortunately they'll have Justin holiday and Reggie Jackson in there ciphering a little bit. I don't hate taking Christian Brown here. We're at pick 200. So we'll see what happens. But, I also just, well, he was good on court. He didn't always put up, oh, that's interesting, Raph. Uh, he doesn't always put up these big counting numbers, but it is year two for him. Dyson Daniels, all right, talk me talk me through it. Really like Dyson Daniels. as ooh, Two Aussies back-to-back. I really like Dyson Daniels as a pick. I would have taken the one that just went after you there in Josh Green because yeah, he's going yeah. to start and play 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, but talk me through Dyson. Um, I like Dyson's versatility. You know, we didn't get to see him too much last season. Um what did he play about like 57 games, I want to say. Yeah, he played yeah. early, then got they got hurt. He got hurt. So I think I like the versatility. 59 games played. Um, good defender, you know, six foot eight point guard. And also you look at that perimeter in New Orleans with the injury mm. concerns. I think that's another reason why he, he's worth taking a swing on this late in drafts. Um already without Trey Murphy until sometime in November at the earliest. Brandon Ingram, he's probably going to get hurt at some point. And I think Dyson Daniels, his overall ability will be enough to get him, you know, a shot at rotation minutes. He was playing, I think, yeah, playing about 18 minutes per game last season. I don't know how much higher it's going to be, but I think he'll be able to do enough to to be worth taking a late-round flyer. That's all well and good, and I, I agree. I think he's really good. My issue there is is that if it was Herb Jones that got injured instead of Trey Murphy, I would have been all in. I would yeah. say Dyson's playing 27-9 and nine mm-hmm. here. He's going to be able to fill that defensive role, but he actually brings passing, and he's bloody mm-hmm. big, but he can't shoot. And yeah. you pair him with Valentunas or Nance and Zion and like even Alvarado. Like It's not one-for-one one with yeah. Trey. The only guy that's actually one-for-one one with Trey is Jordan Hawkins. And I, I don't think he's anywhere close to being ready to play. So I, I think Dyson's going to have to play more. I just don't think that he is because of that lack of shooting. Like maybe he surprises me because of that lack of shooting. I just can he actually push higher and take those trade minutes? I would love him to. I just think that that might lead to a little bit of squishiness in the lineups. Mm-hmm. Good point. What, what do you make of? Okay, so Josh Green goes, John Kaminga goes. All right, fire pick. Killian Hayes went. Now. Admittedly, I was very big on Killian Hayes in his draft year. Towards the yeah. or down the stretch of last season, he was a rosterable fantasy player all the way through. He's not going to play though for this team. Yeah, like I, somebody's going to be out of that rotation because you know they had Monte Morris. Yeah. They draft Marcus Sasser. Well, Sasser's yeah, not going to play either. But the 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 bench is going to be Morris and Burks, surely. 
mm-hmm. behind Ivy and Cade. Like I don't know when Killian plays. That's like, as much as he can, he's a very good defender. The, the shooting actually got worse somehow last season. And they just, yeah, they deprioritized by getting point guards, trading for a point guard, yeah. drafting a point guard, trading, trading up for a point guard. Mm-hmm. His production down the stretch was based solely on volume. Yeah. Like it wasn't like a more efficient player. It's just that he had to play 30 plus a night because of the injuries. And they couldn't take him off the floor, so... Uh, 100% agree. Who's in your queue as we head back around for your final pick? As I just go through what happened. Hayes, then KJ Martin, I like. Anthony Black, sure. We take a flyer on it. Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn might play zero minutes or he might start. Absolutely what you do with this spot. Who's in your... Ooh, Horton Tucker. Some, that, I reckon that Dunn pick might have spurred someone to take Horton Tucker. What do you? Who's in your queue here for your selection coming back in about eight picks, nine picks? Right now, it's just Thomas Bryant. Um, Ooh, okay. Let's. Let, do you want to argue that? I think that he's worse than Orlando Robinson, and he'll be out of the rotation in a month. <laughs> All right. I and that that yeah. actually that spurs me to put Orlando Robinson into my queue. I think Orlando Robinson's good, and I I think the Heat I, are one of those teams where they will they recognize stuff quickly, and yeah. they will be like, yeah, no, nah, we're not we're not dealing with this bullshit. Like we're not. We're not. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Bryant is one of those guys who puts up good numbers. Raph, we've seen it. We saw it in LA. He puts up these numbers. LeBron gets out here. Man, I can't wait. Me, AD, and Bryant are all going to play together. And I said at the time, I go, LeBron, <laughs> you're joking. Yeah. Here. Like this is never going to work. And Davis came back, and Bryant didn't play another second for the entire season because he sucks defensively. But you're right. He does put up good numbers. I just think that Miami. It's while it might be a great situation for development, they're also one of those teams that will see a guy and go, "Oh no, no, thank you. Let's uh, let's try the other bloke who might be like exactly like they did with Omer Yurtseven, where he played yeah. those couple of games. I put up some good numbers. Like, yeah, but you actually yeah, in real life suck. So uh, we'll uh, we'll see you later. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, Orlando Robinson is a good basketball player. Like you know, we can debate how much stock we should put in summer league production all we want, but. I think he when he played last season because of the injuries, mm. he did a good job, you know. So this isn't a situation where Thomas Bryant's going to walk in there and just be the backup center from day one. He's going to have to earn it, and like you mentioned, he's with a franchise that's going to make you earn it. So, yeah, I could, if someone like yourself wants to put Orlando Robinson in their queue for a final round swing, I have no problem with that at all. So He is in my queue, and I'm just going to look up his – I'm going to look up his G League stats from last season. I don't think he played a huge amount in the G League because I don't think he signed initially with the Heat. I think he was sort of bouncing around. He played maybe, I don't know. Anyway, I'm talking about my ass with that part, but let's have a look at what his G League stats are as we go back to this draft. As Sasha Vezenkov goes, Jaden Hardy, love those swings there. Gabe Vincent, he was in my queue. That's a pretty, oh, that was an auto pick, but that's a pretty good pick. Um, all right, so he played 16 games in the G League last season, Orlando Robinson, 31 minutes, 21 points, shot 54 from the field, only 27 from three. Um, 11 rebounds, three assists, 1.1 steals, 1.3 blocks. Now, that's that's pretty sexy. That's the sort of numbers that Peyton Watson put up. And we all know that Peyton Watson, when he came to the NBA, he flashed as well. And just a quick mm-hmm. note, he's the top of my queue here. Um, yeah, so I'm, I, I, I've got no faith in Orlando Robinson that's, that's necessarily going to happen, but I'm very interested to see what he can do. Now we're getting rookies go off the board. Derek Lively and Cam Whitmore. I would suggest, Raph, that Lively and Whitmore do not play. It's rotation. Yeah. I don't think that's going to happen. I think this is very much a developmental year for Lively. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about the Tyson Chandler comparisons, but they view him as that type of center who can be that kind of player down the line. And you think about, you know, the, the acquisition of Rashawn Holmes, 
I think that's going to be his starting job. Mm. Um, so yeah, and they can't seem to quit Dwight Powell. I tell you what, so, I tell you what, they can't quit Dwight Powell, and people will hate it. They can't quit Dwight Powell because whenever he's out there, he he just makes them better through yeah, just doing yeah. dirty sh- not well, I say dirty like not dirty as in like against the rules but just like sacrificing anything about his individual mm-hmm. game to put his body the things into- most guys yeah things <laughs> most guys aren't willing to do he will do exactly now I heard um Austin Rivers on Bill Simmons maybe the other day talking and it was a little bit of like self-wanking there from Rivers like I'm an elite scorer but I had to do this and every team I go to they always play me more minutes because I get shit done okay it's true. Like we always go, wait, why is Austin Rivers yeah. playing 25 minutes a night? It's because when he's out there, he actually just does things that make the team better and it doesn't always show up in the stat sheet. And that's one of those things that Dwight Powell has always done. He's always his plus minuses. He's advanced stats are through the roof. And you go, how is this happening? It's because when he's out there, he just does things. He goes in the right spots and it doesn't flash. So I think Dwight Powell might start. He's not going to play 30 minutes, but he'll be like an 18-minute night guy. And I think Holmes will, will be that guy behind him. Uh, some very interesting picks here. Some of them I like, some of them I don't. Peyton Watson, I do like. Bowl, yeah, bowl. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not a big yeah. bowl guy, but I, absolutely, totally good to take him there. Absolutely fine. Bilal Calabali, okay, we're taking a flyer, but I don't think he's going to play initially in the draft uh, in the draft for, for the Wizards. I don't think he's going to be a huge rotation guy. And you took David Roddy. Yes. Um, I think Roddy is actually bad, but I... Oh, Bates <laughs> D. Oh, bloody hell. I was going to take him. Um, I think he's bad, David Roddy, but... I also think that he could be their opening night starter. That's the main reason why I took him. Um, that's one of those picks, maybe similar to the Luke Kennard pick a couple rounds earlier. You're thinking a first 25 games pick mm-hmm. in terms of Memphis not having John Morant. Um, I think I initially thought that Roddy was going to be the starter. He may Same. still be that guy, but Luke Kennard's perimeter shooting ability may be what pushes him over the top alongside of Marcus Smart. But on the flip side, you've got Desmond Bain as your shooter. Jaron Jackson Jr. can shoot from the perimeter as well. Maybe they don't need Kennard in that role. So I think either one of those guys is going to start. I think they're both worth taking a late round, round flyer on personally. All right, I've got 15 seconds left. I've got these four players in my queue. Terrence Mann, Nikola Jovic, Eric Gordon, and Orlando Robinson. I think that while Gordon might not have upside, it's picked two hundred and twenty-two. Like I think you'll beat, yeah. I think you'll beat that number. And mm-hmm. so that while there's not much upside in that, like I think he's, I think he closes for them. I think he plays twenty-eight a night and he's their closing lineup and he's their backup point yeah. guard. So mm-hmm. it's not a sexy pick. He's old as shit. He's not going to blow <laughs> blow it up. But in this sort of a league, Raph, like why couldn't Eric Gordon be my tenth best player, which is a starter for my uh, team? Yeah. Like I, I think I. There is a possibility. And now, Jovic was obviously the, the sexier pick. He's younger. Mm. He's got more uh, theoretical upside there. But again, uh, sometimes upside is or upside is a relative term because we can talk about yeah. this guy can blow up. But sometimes upside gets baked into just where you pick the player. Like if you like, Har- mm-hmm. like Harrison Barnes, for example. Oh, I'm always going to go back to him. If you pick him at 130, 140, I don't know what you're doing. But if he's there at 200, well, that that's the upside. That's 60 spots yeah. upside banked into that into that um, draft pick spot. It's not that you expect him to outperform his spot at, at 140. You're expecting him to get to 140, but you grabbed a bunch of other guys behind that. And that was sort of my yeah. rationale there with um, <laughs> with uh, Eric Gordon. So some interesting players still left on the board. Obviously, Terrence Mann, Nikola Jovic, and Orlando Robinson, the guys in my queue. Did you have anyone left in your queue that was still there? Uh, no. Um, 
think Thomas Bryant was the only one left. Um, Terrence, man, I kind of feel like fancy managers have been down that road more than enough times. Like, I don't know, maybe someone's going to stop playing around with his minutes and give him like a time that where we can fully evaluate what he can bring to the table. I just think it's just too much of a roller coaster there. You've got Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, two guys who are going to figure prominently, but they can't stay healthy. Yeah. And then I don't think they've ever really figured out what position they want to play Terrence Mann in. So that doesn't help you either from a fantasy standpoint. So yeah, it's, that's it, one guy that it is a tough I'm spot. Not for taking it is a tough spot mm. because yeah, theoretically he could play 33 minutes a night. He play over yeah. Russell Westbrook, but he's just not going to. And he mm. probably part of the reason I could suggest taking him is that maybe he would be if they did trade for James Harden, he would come and he would legitimately start next to Tyrese Maxey as that guy ahead of Ubre and probably ahead of Melton. And there might be some interest in that. Raf, before I let you go, because it's been a while, let's just roll through what you did with your draft and I'll go through my team and then we'll see you later. Okay. You went with Giannis at pick nine. Remember, 16-team leagues here. So pick nine, Giannis, Mikhail Bridges round two, Vooch in round three, Scott Barnes. I didn't even talk about you taking Barnesy there in round four. Not not bad. I don't, I'm not a big believer in Barnes. Do you think that he's going to start a point guard just quietly? Um, hmm. <laughs> I, I don't think so. I just don't think he maybe at some point in his career he can be that kind of player, but I don't, I still think he hasn't done enough to kind of warrant being started at, at point guard. Um, especially, not, I don't think that Dennis Schroeder is a great point guard in terms of the NBA, but you look at what he did at, at FIBA, I think he's going to have every opportunity to kind of win that job, but obviously. FIBA basketball and the NBA are two entirely different animals, so I'm not expecting a great deal of carryover from someone of his age, um, as opposed to a younger guy like a Franz Wagner or a Paolo Bancaro. I I agree. I you're not expecting that to carry over, but I also would just the reason that I do think that Schroeder is going to start next to Barnes is that Dennis Schroeder, for all his foibles. He, he can run an offense, like he can yeah, run exactly. a pick and roll. Mm-hmm. It's not going to bog down completely in the half court, whereas I just haven't seen that with Barnes and he's mm-hmm. shooter's not a good shooter, but Barnes is way worse. And yes. I think you you will run some moments there with Barnes as as the point guard, but I, I don't think it's going to be the whole whole way through. You took CJ McCullum, which I uh, had a crack at you about. Simons, Capella, great yeah. pick. McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels, D'Anthony Melton, Colin Sexton. I love that Colin Sexton pick from you, actually. Joshy Richardson, Santi Aldama, Dyson Daniels, and David Roddy. And then my team. Started at pick 14, Kyrie, Trey Young, Jordan Poole, Franz Wagner, Devin Vassell, Tobias Harris. As you can see, I am eschewing big men. Wendell Carter, Mike Conley, Sadiq Bey, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Karis LeVert, Jalen Suggs, Kobe White, and Eric Gordon. I only have one center eligible player on my team. Actually, by design, there is only one center spot on this thing. But what I would end mm-hmm. up doing is I would just end up streaming that in at times when necessary um, to do it. I was hoping to get a Christian Wood, but there will be other centers who come available to me who I can use, like a Mason Plumley who's available yeah. there off the wire. Like I'd probably run to, to go and grab him and, and see as soon as like an injury eligibility occurs for one of my players, I'd move them in. But I am going very small ball with this team uh, deliberately. And I think that when you are later in a deep draft like this, you have to be a little bit more a little bit more intentional about the way that you're building your squad, Raph. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's not like you can't make trades too. So Exactly. And that, and I, because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to post this mock draft up and I'm going to post the a screenshot of my team and someone's going, bro, you've got no centers, man. No centers at all. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know. 
I know. Delib- yeah. Deliberately, I have no centers. Mm-hmm. Raf, that will uh, bring it to a close for us. So thanks for coming on, doing the mock draft. And uh, tell us what um, you've got cracking over at Rotowire. Uh, not Rotowire, Roto World. My apologies. Well, this afternoon, the draft guide went live. So we've got that going on. Um, I encourage people to check it out. I think myself, Noah Rubin, Zach Hanch, you did some good work on it. Um, a lot of information, but there's a lot of good content in the fantasy basketball world as a whole. So I just hope you give us a shot, just like all, a lot of the other outlets out there. There is. There's a lot of great information in fantasy basketball, way more than when I started doing this. And that's why I'm yeah. always looking to get different people on the show to have their opinions and, and promote their stuff because, you know, it's not just about listen to one person. It's about get different opinions out there and then bring them on and then tell them how, how bad they are for drafting uh, CJ McCollum <laughs> in round five. That's the whole aim of this stuff. <laughs> Raph, thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing the draft. Go check out Roto World's um, draft guide and follow Raph over on Twitter. Thank you again, Raphael Johnson. All right. Thanks for having me. And that will do it for me today. I I was okay with that draft. I was happy with how it turned out. It is harder in a 16-team, especially when you pick towards the back like I did. I tried to lean into that punt build. I'd love to know what you guys thought of the way that this draft uh, ended up playing out. Um, when I look, it, it is, I've got the basketball monster projected standings here, but also remember that when you're looking at projected standings, it is taking somewhat into consideration your bench, which again, I'm trying to hit upside picks on that. So just be really cautious about overvaluing your positioning there. I think I came in sixth or fifth in that thing, but I would be projected straight up to beat five of the, or four of the five teams ahead of me because I'm trying to build that pretty strong punt team to go ahead of them. Follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on uh, YouTube, thumb it up, leave your comments down below. And if you are for some reason still watching this show, thank you. What's this? I can't remember the name of this team, this minor league baseball team. Who are they? The Round Rock. Oh, yeah, the Round Rock Express. Drop Round Rock Express. Let's put the hat on over the top of my cans. I look stupid. Round Rock Express. Drop that in the comments if you are still watching at this point. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Hello there. 